Welcome back to Subsequent Movie Podcast, where this week we finish up our little mini-series here on the Resident Evil film franchise with none other than 2016's just abominable Resident (laughs) Evil, the final chapter, just... Right off the bat, huh? uh, Right off the bat. The biggest possible letdown, the biggest possible bummer that you could possibly have. Like, you can't follow up, like, Retribution, but this movie doesn't even try. So, some people may know this. I may have mentioned this on the podcast before when when we did our sort of setup episode with the first movie. This was the only Resident Evil film I saw in theaters, right? I had um I had been getting interested in Resident Evil leading up to the release of Resident Evil 7 in 2017. And so I played a couple of the games and I think at your at your behest or at your recommendation I suppose, I sat down, I watched the movies, you know, I loved them and I was like, "Oh shit, I should go yeah. see Final Chapter before it goes out of theaters," right? And so stop me if you've heard this before. I went to an AMC outside of the Austin Metroplex because that was the only place that was showing it on a Tuesday at 11 (laughs) a.m. I was the only person in the theater for this film, and it was the most disappointing movie experience I had ever had in my entire life. Like (laughs) not even having my own private screening of this film could save it. Uh, This movie is doo-doo ass. (laughs) It's bad. Yeah, I, I remember really wanting to go and see it in theaters but it was like i couldn't go on opening weekend for whatever reason i forget what it was but i was like i'll just see it next week and it was gone the next week yeah. from my local yeah. cinema so it was like well guess i'll wait till it comes out on dvd and boy was that a fucking waste of time i yeah. i fucking like i knew you hadn't liked it obviously because we talked about it a little bit uh-huh but i still had like pre-ordered the like mm-hmm. limited edition steelbook blu-ray of it and and it, it got to my house and i watched it that like that night and i was like man this sucks it's it's bad like here's the thing about these movies i i talked some trash about apocalypse in the past but mm. compared to this apocalypse may as well be like the best film in this franchise it, it is it is Final Chapter is the only one of these movies that I actively dislike, right? Mm -hmm. Like, even Apocalypse in its weakest moments is still kind of goofy and fun. There is absolutely none of that in this film. It is, is like, I was thinking about it as we were watching the film, and I think the best way I can describe this movie is that it's the gritty reboot of its own franchise, right? Like, it's, like... If the previous Resident Evil movies were a G.I. Joe cartoon, this is like the live-action G.I. Joe with Dwayne Johnson, essentially. Mm. Except I think live-action G.I. Joe may be a better film than this. 
So yeah. it's rough. It's real rough, dude. Yeah. The thing I always just come back to with this movie is that, like, again, not to spend this whole movie talking about retribution, but retribution and afterlife especially, and it goes through the whole series before this, but especially those two, there's just this like playfulness and this like joyfulness to it that is completely absent here this is like Mm -hmm. this reads as if it was just a turbulent production at a turbulent time in paul's life and there's there's just none of the there's none of the goofiness that's like inherent to even resident evil as a video game series there's none of the fun there even like even the mainstays of this series that you come to to hold on to for like a little bit of just a laugh when you need it like even sean roberts is hamstrung by this you know like even the best thing about this whole franchise albert wesker isn't as good as he normally is and it's just it's gray and it's brown and it's awful to look at it's just it's no fun it's no fun so here's the thing about final chapter these movies from entry to entry have never been consistent right, right. like there's maybe maybe a hint of like a, a foundational tone sort of a baseline mood that they aim for The problem with this one is that it's inconsistent stylistically, which is inherently, I'll be honest, inherently it's kind of funny, right? Like in the abstract, it is very funny that Paul made his live action cartoon and then said, oh, I watched a bunch of Walking Dead and played Fallout 3. I'm just going to make like grim prestige TV Resident Evil. Like that on its own is funny conceptually, but... The act of watching this movie is a fucking chore. Like it, it is the the palette is so washed out. The editing is so unhinged. Like it's impossible. This franchise has always had a very tenuous relationship with space, right? Mm-hmm, with being totally. able to orient you in a way that you know what's happening during action sequences. But there is a cut every half second and the camera just goes to somewhere completely random. It feels like in every action sequence in this film and it makes it laborious, right? Like it is a actually legitimately difficult film to watch and to register what's happening at any given moment. That's my biggest problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely exhausting to watch. Like it, it, it hurts your eyes even like I was it watching it and I was like, we, we were less than 10 minutes in and she was fighting that big zombie that comes out of like the pool at the oval office or, or at the white house or whatever. And uh-huh. I was like, my eyes already hurt. Like it's yeah. Like if you're sensitive to headache or or migraines or anything like that, like please be careful watching this because it like I feel tired after having yeah. seen it. Like I really do feel beaten down. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Yeah, and like you know we've we've talked about this especially with retribution, but there is this theme that's sort of run through these movies where mm-hmm. Paul is saying something about, you know, capitalism and corporatism and surveillance and all this shit, but he doesn't mean any of it. Like, he's not intending to do any of that until this movie where he's actually trying to say something, but it all Mm -hmm. gets lost because the actual act of watching the movie is so just difficult and so unpleasant, and it's kind of a shame because, like, 
there's kind of an actual real movie in there for the first time. It's just mm-hmm. buried under so much rubble and shit and dirt that it's just it's <laughs> it's not worth digging in and picking it out, you know. No, it really isn't. You want me to you want me to hit the three cent summary on this Please. one before we uh All right. So number 1, after anticlimactically resolving the battle at the White House by not resolving it at all, Alice is awoken and summoned by the Red Queen to go back to the Hive to get an airborne antivirus to save humanity from Umbrella. On the way, she encounters a very religious clone of Game of Thronesman Dr. Isaacs, who proves to be a recurring antagonist throughout this film. And then she reaches Raccoon City and hooks up with some survivors. Third sentence, her and the survivors go into the hive, blow everything up, and Alice becomes Jesus, and that's the end of the film. Yeah, almost less to talk about with this than with Retribution, which is astounding. Yeah, um, and you kind of mentioned it there, but this movie absolutely dripping in religious imagery um it's bizarre it's so weird it really feels it's like so Paul out is of mad place. At God. like it really feels yeah. like he's mad at god for something um yeah you know it's yeah and, and like as well as that this feels like two different movies you know like the first mm-hmm. like 45 minutes is one movie and then it just becomes another movie where they're descending into the hive and they just kind of dick around in there for an hour like it's 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 a movie that apparently you know it it, it got delayed uh, multiple times uh, it had to be rewritten multiple times characters were taken out because they weren't the actors weren't available uh, uh-huh. if you if you believe Sienna Guillory who played Jill she was just never asked at all like <laughs> the the entire series up to this point uh, is completely retconned by the opening it's. It's it just throws everything you've already known out the window and just goes okay we're just wrapping this up however we can with whatever we have available and it yeah. it, it feels like something that they made out of commitment rather than wanting to actually make this out of passion and love for this I agree. goofy bullshit yeah. series that they made yeah there's a real sense that leading up to this Paul had some sort of like. Not a plan, but definitely a a, a tone, right? And some mm-hmm. sort of story that he was angling for, like like a mood. And I know that this did have a very turbulent production. I know that him and Mila had some stuff going on in their life at the time. And it, it really shows. It, it really shows in this film, which just feels like, okay, you know, we made our fun movie in 2012, but oh, we got to come back and wrap all this shit up. Like, I would rather just move on with my life, but I have to make this Resident Evil movie, right? Yeah. Uh, and and it's palpable. I don't think anyone in this is really having any fun. Like you said, even Sean Roberts as Wesker has really, like, dialed it back a bit in this one. He is, he gets some moments, right? There are some moments, um, I mean... The back part of this movie is essentially Wesker playing a fortress defense game as they try to infiltrate the hive, right? Like, he's at his, like, 1800 monitor gamer console dropping traps on these people as they try to move through the hive. And that's that's all it is after a certain point. Yeah. But... 
I think in terms of referencing the previous bits of the franchise, this one's probably closest to like Extinction. But even Extinction had colors, like it had orange, it had brown, it had, you know, things here and there that made it a a distinct film. Mm -hmm. This movie, it's it's just slop. It's just like the equivalent of of bland oatmeal. Yeah. It it really is. Yeah. The the first half of this movie is just brown and the second half is just gray and it's... mm Mm-hmm. It sucks. It's you know, and yeah, and I, I don't, I don't feel good about this one. I'll be honest. I don't, don't feel no. good about this. No, and yeah, and like there's moments, little bits here and there, like when uh, the real Doctor Isaac's gets his Terminator vision and he's like running <laughs> his combat yeah. simulations or whatever because he's an android for some reason now in this one or whatever. Um, like that's the kind of like goofy shit that you want in this movie but yeah. it, there's just so little of it um mm. that it just it just doesn't come through but i think the biggest thing that makes me mad really is wesker and really how bad they do him how dirty they do him like they, this do ugh. we do we want to talk about wesker's death in this movie we, we, we need to talk about wesker's death because it's it's the most anticlimactic death I've ever seen. But this this whole movie is anticlimactic. <laughs> it, it it literally opens with with like you seeing the White House from the end of Retribution, and it's just been like bombarded. Like there's dust everywhere, and Alice pulls herself out, so you don't even get to see the big fight scene, uh, which Retribution teases on the greatest cliffhanger of all time. But his death is certainly, I think, one of the at least for us. <laughs> one of the worst parts about this yeah yeah basically as well i mean we'll kind of get into this i guess at some point later but it's revealed that there's that alice is a clone of a scientist at umbrella who discovered the t-virus's daughter daughter who it had cons the stuff from apocalypse right yeah, like yeah. like it uses the same tropes of, of of scientists with daughter t-virus heel but the characters are completely different the names are totally different yeah and and instead of just having a disease that would ma- mean she couldn't walk the disease is that she ages rapidly basically mm-hmm. so that that reveal happens late on in the movie and like old woman mila comes out and she just basically like turns the tide i guess in mila's favor by pressing some button that causes a door <laughs> to close behind wesker which causes him to fall over in surprise and get his left foot chopped off and then and then he proceeds to just lay there on the ground motionless see see the thing about this is is you describe this and it sounds like the funniest fucking thing on earth right like it's so funny and like the whole movie is like that where it's hilarious in concept but just the execution of it is is baffling like i would go so far as to say it's hostile it is it is a a criminal act to make someone visually physically sit through and try to watch this film like i feel that strongly about it i really hate the way this movie looks and the way this movie is edited yeah and and that's like that's the big problem with this death i mean aside from the fact that it's like kind of anticlimactic that he just dies by having his foot cut off like the way it's it's cut together you can barely even tell what's happening he just sort of falls down and then he doesn't have a foot (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. yeah. Uh, stand back Wesker Oval Office. Now it's a uh, Wesker left foot, I guess. I don't yeah. think that's anything. There's, there's like... There's barely anything you can even latch on to make fun of in no. this movie, which which I think is its greatest crime. And what's most fucked up about this is I, I see people online who say that this is like better than Retribution or they disliked Retribution and they like this because it like I saw someone on Letterboxd uh, who said they didn't like Retribution because it felt so standalone, but they loved final chapter because it brought Alice's story to a close and it was it was very satisfying and I'm like what whatever the hell you're on <laughs> please let me have some of it because I have no idea who comes to these movies and gets invested in the story of Alice right like like that is not that is not the appeal of these films no. to me uh, so Maybe we just have it backwards, but I, I really do think they beefed it up and down. Just just completely fell head over heels and bungled this film. And there's only so many ways I can say that, but it's really the prevailing opinion I have about this movie. Yeah, it, it totally is. Like, And I, I don't know how you could come to this movie and say, oh, I love this movie because it wraps up everything that we've seen Alice go through. No, it or whatever. doesn't. <laughs> When no, the entire opening ten minutes of the movie is changing the entire story of the yeah. entire franchise, like you can't say, "Oh, it's such a great payoff," when it's paying off stuff that never existed before this movie. Yeah, like, and see, the thing is, is that's very in line with like what Resident Evil does, right? Like traditionally, through five films, this series has taken plot beats and taken you know narrative ideas and brought them in and disposed of them as it sees fit right like just playing calvin ball with 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 its own lore Absolutely, but i think the, yeah. the problem here is that not only is is the tone like so 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 self-serious in this in a way that it's never been before but it expects you to have that investment right like it expects you to be invested in this story which they have just introduced in like the opening montage of this film right yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with asking your audience to be invested in a story and i do think it like i said is 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 pretty on brand for this film to like go out of its way to just deny everything that happened before but the previous movies never like required that investment of you right like they 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 had a lore they had a story they wanted to tell but it was never something where they expected you to come in and like be dying to know what happens next in this plot like you're here here to watch Jovovich like gun down zombies right yeah and um i think i think that's the big problem is that not only is it taking this left turn it is also suddenly expecting you to just like watch this film for the sake of caring about a plot that the films themselves have never given a flying fuck about. Yeah, you're you're asking me to feel emotions for characters who you've never asked me to care about in any way before other than to think, oh, she's cool. Like, that's it. Like, you know, like... <laughs> yeah. like it's it's like when they they kind of do that as well in like in at the end of afterlife when they rescue kmart and like they won't stop saying kmart like they expect you to care that like mm -hmm. this character who has done nothing in the franchise 
matters, but she doesn't because she's Kmart and she's useless. Like it's it's like that entire concept stretched out for a whole movie. Like I I'm I'm not here because I care about Alice's story because she doesn't have a story. She's just yeah. Yeah. the lady who shoots the zombies and sometimes shoots at Albert Wesker. Like yeah, that's it. and I feel like I feel like that's. When people say this movie is, you know, quote unquote, the the art film of like the Resident Evil franchise, I feel like that's kind of what they're getting at, right? Is that there's supposedly sort of a metatextual narrative in this where Alice kind of comes into her own and it's like, oh, it doesn't matter who you were before. It only matters who you're going to be. But like you and I both know that Paul just does not think about those kinds of things. Well, maybe he did with this one, right? Like you yeah. said, he he is clearly trying to say something in this more than he ever has in the previous movies, but it just doesn't. I think if this movie had not been made like it was being filmed by a caffeinated monkey, it would be okay, right? Like it wouldn't be Probably. great. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be an extinction. It wouldn't be an afterlife. But it may be okay, like slightly worse than the apocalypse, right? But as it mm-hmm. stands. There is there is just, in my opinion, almost nothing redeemable about this film. There is, like, this whole first... You, because we did a time check, right? The whole first, like, 45 minutes of the movie is, like, Mad Max, Fallout 3. Uh, she gets captured by Dr. Isaac's religious clone and escapes, goes to Raccoon City uh, after it's been bombed. Uh, meets up with Claire, some other survivors, and there's this huge sequence that takes up like the entire middle chunk of the film where they're defending this arbitrary building from like an, uh, an army of zombies, right? Yeah. And like that takes up a lot of this movie, or at least it feels like it does. And then finally, in the last uh, 50 minutes or so, they get into the hive to get the airborne, whatever, antivirus, va- virus vaccine. And it's just like a slasher film, right? Like there's mm-hmm. just there's just no blood to it whatsoever. Even the stuff in the previous films that had the like, uh, I mean, maybe it was just a cultural moment for Paul, but like you know the crazy dubstep and all that kind of stuff. It's completely absent from this film. Yeah. It, it it really does feel like a funeral march for this franchise. It does, and like. <laughs> It almost feels, you know, because it because it just becomes the slasher movie basically in the second half. It feels like he's kind of putting two separate scripts together and just trying to find a way to tie them together because the way it uh-huh. even transitions from one to another is kind of clunky and clumsy and just yeah, doesn't make much sense like that's that whole sequence where Dr. Isaacs who's in his weird like he's got a fleet of weird tanks that are just full of both umbrella guys and also just tied up like religious zealot people for some reason. religious zealot prisoners he he's like so so the dr isaac clone in this who we find out is a clone uh, at the very end but it's kind of, I, I feel like it's kind of obvious right yeah. um he he's like going around capturing people for his own sick amusement i guess and like forcing them to convert to christianity question mark maybe i i really don't know right it's like it's like when somebody makes a really shitty serial killer movie and they have all this iconography in like the serial killer's apartment right but it doesn't actually mean anything like him Hmm. being 
him being religious is so auxiliary to the point of this film outside of maybe trying to tie together with the bit where Alice becomes Jesus at the end. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's really the only reason I can think for it. Um, because we find out his big plan is he released, he wanted to release the T virus to kill everyone and then have the umbrella people Noah's Ark their way into like <laughs> the new yeah. world, like the post zombie <laughs> world, which is just such a nutty way to to try to tie this franchise up that just comes out of nowhere. Uh, so I don't really know what the religious point is uh, or, or the religious symbology is meant to mean here. I don't know why he has these these people and his tanks aside from oh he's he's fucked up and crazy oh damn he's gonna do some fucked up and crazy shit you better watch out so I I really don't know what to tell you this movie is 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 baffling yeah there's been like zero religious imagery in the series up to this point too so it's entirely like. A completely new elements to this entire franchise, this entire series. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we played we played the game a few weeks ago um, that Arlen sent in to us via email, like the Who Was Paul Mad At game. And mm-hmm. I really just think watching this that he's mad at God. Like that. Yeah. Maybe it's because supposedly Mila lost a child in between these two movies or something like that maybe he's he's you know thinking you know i'm a good person meal is a good person why did that happen to us maybe that's part of where it comes from maybe he's mad at the general like you know fundamentalist christian movement or something i don't know but he really just comes off like he's really mad at god and like he is kind of deciding by making mila jesus that like the only person i worship is my wife which uh, goes back to the whole like point of the series just being that he loves his wife hell (laughs) of an interpretation there i'm really there that's really incredible reading of the text i think you've kind of (laughs) looped around and made me like this a bit more (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's really good actually i i love that to be honest uh I, i really don't know I I don't think we need to go through this movie piece by piece. I no. don't really think it deserves it or qualifies it at all. There's fucking what nothing we, to go through. Like there it's isn't. Just... There isn't. Like we can't. We can't even talk about the action scenes in this because it's impossible to tell what's happening during them. Like looking at the action sequences in this film is like looking at like a Jackson Pollock painting or something, right? Where, yeah. where you just it, it's so abstract, you just look at it and you have to sort of divine your own meaning from what you're seeing. Um, like there are all these bits, um, like when she gets the uh, the 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 Doctor Isaac's clone up on the top of the tank and they have like a knife fight. You, if you held a gun to my head, I could not tell you what physically occurs for during that, right? Like any right, of these yeah. action sequences, I know how they begin. Like, you know, oh, the action sequence begins with Mila trying to run away from this zombie, you know, flying monster thing, right? And it mm-hmm. ends with her blowing it up. But how it got between those two points, I mean, fuck me right i just have no idea (laughs) yeah like the the isaac's tank fight is like they they tie her by the wrists and throw her outside the zombies are chasing her the tanks by the way are being followed by a hundred thousand zombies at all times she somehow gets up on top of it isaac's comes up 
it's incomprehensible and then she cuts off his hand so that she can use the motorcycle that's attached to the side of it yeah and see that's good earlier that that's such a good moment where she slices off his hand and then uses it to do the motorcycle but just the way it's constructed renders any enjoyment completely moot i would say like like there are so many little tidbits like that where you look at them and you analyze them and you look at the kind of stuff he did in the previous movies and you say, oh, I could totally see this in Retribution, or oh, I could totally see this in Afterlife, right? Like um, like you said, the moment where the real Dr. Isaacs has his like Terminator combat vision that lets him like judge percentiles and like combat outcomes is great. Like Wesker falling over and getting his leg like chopped off by a door on its own is so funny. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's just constantly this stuff that you're watching and if you're someone like us who loves picking these movies apart where you're just kind of like i wish this was in a better movie right like i just wish i just wish this had been in any of the earlier films but i really wonder where he got the idea for the style of this movie from because for me it's just like prestige tv walking dead resident evil and i wonder if like he talked to somebody like his cinematographer or he talked to the other producer or like Capcom or, or someone had a mandate for the style of this film, but it's, 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 I just keep coming back to it, right? Like I'm obsessing over it because it is this movie's greatest flaw to me. Yeah. And, and it's also like this, this came out like, I think within a week or something like that of resident evil seven, the video game, which has a yeah. very, big tone shift as well from you know what resident evil as a video game series traditionally is there's a lot of that prestige tv style mm-hmm. there whole, like the whole opening is pretty much like lifted from true detective you know like it's a, yeah it's a little true detective it's there, like chainsaw it's chainsaw massacre kind of and yeah in, it's uh, chain it's like chainsaw massacre true and true detective had a baby that whole game like yeah it's and and this would have been written and presumably shot at the height of the walking dead before everybody hated it like there's yeah. you know the whole mid 10s prestige tv boom was kind of happening around this and i think he probably just kind of went like much like he did with the earlier ones where it's just like it's new metal time, baby. Like he just kind uh-huh. of looked at the wider media landscape maybe and just thought, Hey, like, let's just do what everyone else is doing. I don't know. It's- you know what? I'll be honest. I'm really curious about how this film is going to age. I, I wonder if we will be able to look back on this in 10 years and like laugh at it as being sort of emblematic of that style of just mm-hmm. like, being this complete suck shit movie that just leans into that so heavily. But I don't know. I don't think so. It's, it's just, it's bad to watch and not like how something like apocalypse was sometimes bad to watch. It is. I cannot stress this enough. Literally physically, visually bad to watch. Like any, any humor outside of that is, is just neutered by the fact that my eyes hurt. (laughs) experiencing this movie legitimately like if you were somebody who has issues with like motion sickness i don't know how you could watch this fucking movie Mm -hmm. like it is it is literally like 
five, six, seven cuts a second at times. Like it yeah. is impossible to tell what the fuck is going on. So this, the guy, the guy movie. who, uh, the guy who edited this, I brought this up during the mm-hmm. show, and I'll bring it up again now. Is a fellow by the name of Doobie White, and uh, Doobie. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Doobie has some credits mm. on uh, on Letterbox that I'll kind of go through with us here. Uh, he apparently did edit Monster Hunter, which makes me a little bit worried about that film. Yeah, very much. Uh, I still have not seen it, but I want to get around to it. He edited the 2009 film Gamer, which I have not seen, but it seems like everyone I follow on Letterbox has given it between one and two stars, so that's oh, great. That's... Um... Michael C. Hall, isn't it? It's the uh, Dexter guy, Gerard Butler. Uh, Michael C. Hall is in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I, that's not a great movie. That's John Leguizamo is in it, but as a character named Freak with two E's. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's great. Uh, but he also, uh, as I mentioned to you, edited one of you and I, uh, our, our one of our favorite films, which is the 2019. John Wick ripoff Polar starring the one, the only Mads Mikkelsen. So we're Ugh. really in the hands of a master here. Yeah, and man, fucking Polar is such a bad movie. I, <laughs> when, when, that, when you watched that movie and you told me about it, I was like, oh, I have to see this. There's no way it can be this bad. And then I watched it and, and I was like, oh, you're going to have horrendous. a bad guy played by Matt Lucas. Great. Awesome. I'm going <laughs> to fucking blow my brains out. This is the worst. Like, ugh. Mm-hmm. I hate that I, movie so much. That movie is 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 really, really bad. Um. Like even as even as like a vehicle for Mads Mikkelsen fan service, I think it's pretty shit. So yeah. just no no real redeeming qualities there. Uh, I would almost rather talk about Polar than talk about Resident Evil Final Chapter. If we're being honest, I I have n- <laughs> like this is not a movie that gets me incensed as like Bruno or something, right? Like no. there's nothing in it that's just actively offensive, but. You know, as someone who enjoys the other films in this franchise, and as someone who, you know, likes B movies and and shit films and that kind of thing, this one really kind of crosses a particular Rubicon into being just like intolerable. And um, not even intolerable in the way that like Polar or or Bruno would be, but just exhausting, right? This film. This film's like an hour 40, and it really feels like it's about three hours long. It it really drags, and yeah, like, the thing, the thing about this movie is it's kind of not even worth getting mad about it, you know? Like, it's yeah. just... Disappointing. It, it's disappointing, and it leaves you cold rather than leaving you <laughs> furious the way that Bruno did, or, uh-huh. you know, the way later borat two watches did like it's <laughs> yeah it's just a nothing movie and it's it, it i know people on the internet are really these days trying to stretch for why this movie is art but it's just it's not it's, it's interminable shit. it's a chore yeah. and it's even even talking about it for half an hour now or whatever has been a chore it's just <laughs> It just isn't worth the time or the energy. It's can you it's name, deflating. Can you name three things you liked about this movie? Three things. Softball, just three things you three enjoyed things. about it. Yes. Um, can you? 
I liked uh, when Dr. Isaac's clone was in his little Humvee and Sean Roberts Skyped in and he was like posed like he was just chilling in a gamer chair. Like, okay. It's kind of side profile, just like hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked when Sean Roberts tried to use an ice pick to break off a, a nice cube. That was very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, you were you were like he can't even crush ice like a human being. Yeah, um, and I liked when Sean Roberts uh, smothered the guy with, with the with the plastic bag. That was... okay. Yeah. Well, you 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 took two of my three. Uh, <laughs> the so so the ice pick one is is one of them. Seeing him like jerk his arm up and down trying to crush this ice while he's like looming over this table just muscled up like like scott steiner genetic freak that's one uh second one is during the big retcon like you said where he comes in and he kills the girl's dad with with a plastic bag black christmas style like i i I mentioned this to you while we were watching it and i think it stands but despite his muted performance in this movie seeing Sean Roberts in this film is still like watching Roger Rabbit to me where, where he, he like, he's still in that crazy fucking costume. He has, he still has the blonde hair and the sunglasses. He's still like juiced up, like stretch Armstrong. Right. But everything else is played so much more realistic that he just feels like, I don't know. He, 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 he's a sore thumb. And, and I, I think that it works in some places and others. It, it, It kind of loses its luster. We talked about this a bit uh, near the end, but I think one of the reasons Wesker is not as funny in this film is because traditionally uh, Paul has taken Sean Roberts and pinned him to the frame like a bug in a glass display, right? Like something to be right. like gawked at and, and, and laughed at and just thoroughly enjoyed in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. But in this, I, I, I think a lot of this movie is filmed handheld camera by Paul and so even when there's not an action scene going the camera is always like sweeping like like swooping around turning bobbing like whatever else and you just don't get that same sort of like lingering presence you get with sean roberts as an afterlife and retribution where he is like placed in the center of frame like wesker oval office or like the 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 fight on the arcadia he he's presented as this like golden idol to be looked at and, and you know sort of gawked upon. Yeah, and this yeah. this movie completely loses that and tries to present him as just another human being in this cast of characters, which he is the furthest thing from. Right? <laughs> yeah, just truly an alien. And um, my third best moment of the film is when he gets his leg cut off, but then you see him in the background of all these shots, just laying like face up <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like there's this, there's this bit where um, I think it's like Alice and Claire and like clone Alice or, or, or original Alice, because as we learn, Alice is the clone of this, yeah. of this uh, diseased daughter uh, where they're talking to Dr. Isaacs and just down at the very bottom of the frame, you see Wesker laying stock still, like shoulders down on the ground, staring up at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, he's and not like, writhing in pain or anything. He's just laying. He's literally just laying there, like completely still. Because he's it's, not dead at that point. Like he's still no. talking. Like there's there's still moments where he talks to somebody after this, but he's just not moving on the ground. Yeah. It's fucking great. Like, 
even even in his dampened performance, he is still probably the best thing about this movie. Um, I mean, Alice doesn't do jack shit. She she leaves Washington D.C., gets kidnapped by Isaacs, drives on the motorcycle to Raccoon City, saves the survivors, infiltrates the hive, blows everything up, and then becomes Jesus and saves everybody. And that's the end of the movie, right? Like that's yeah. that's it. Um, Claire is here, the only returning character from the previous films, aside from uh, Alice, Isaacs, and Wesker, I believe. Yes. Uh, the Red Queen. The Red Queen is also the Red Queen. Here. Red Queen played by um, Mila and Paul's daughter uh, in this, okay. who also plays um, like young child Alice. So yeah, well, because yeah. the Red Queen's based on on yeah. child. What's her What's her name? Like like fucking Betty Boop. <laughs> What's the woman's name? Deborah, Deborah Ripley, like the one that Alice is the clone of. Do you know? Um, uh, it's um, Bucci Flagrante. It's, uh, it's Alicia, um, Alicia, some marks maybe or something like that. I I, I feel like it starts no with, with, I, with, I think, with an M. I think you're right about it being Alicia, and I do think the uh, the doctor is Marks. I'm looking at the IMDb credits. There's someone in here, uh, Brian Steele as Rancid, who is only seen in archival footage. I have no idea who that is or what that means. He's one, he's one of the zombies. I was actually looking at my Letterboxd stats recently, and mm-hmm. I was looking at my top-rated actors ever, and Brian Steele was one of them. And I was like, who the fuck is Brian Steele? And sure enough, <laughs> I clicked on him, on him, and he's just Resident mm-hmm. Evil zombie guy, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it is Alicia Marks. You were right. Alicia um, Marks. Okay. Uh, her name is Ever Gabo Anderson, and she was in Final Chapter. She was apparently in the upcoming Black Widow film, and she is in a Disney uh, live-action production of Peter Pan uh, coming up at some Interesting. point. Interesting. So Paul Interesting. really, really getting her, getting her in some pictures. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. She will definitely not be the worst child actor in a Disney thing no, that has she, come out recently. She probably delivers one of the better performances in this film, if we're being honest. Yeah, she's not bad. She's not bad. Yeah. She's all uh, right. For what is required of her, she does fine, I will yeah. say. Playing an yeah. evil child AI, uh, I think yeah. she gets it pretty well. Uh, yeah, there, there's clones. Claire is here. There's a bunch of survivors whose names I don't even know. There's like eight of them and they all die without ever being introduced. There's like a little kid who shows up and then disappears. Uh, yeah. Fuck, man. This th- There's just nothing to talk about with this movie. There I have, really I, I have no passion for it, to be to be totally honest. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to like think of moments like there's a moment that kind of makes alice come off like kind of like shitty because she's like Mm -hmm. hand-to-hand fighting one of isaac's main goons and she just shoots him because he's kicking her ass which is kind of like you're supposed to be the hero of this story and you're just going to shoot this dude because he's beating you like there's the whole scene where the dogs are chasing them as they're getting into the hive and just like Two or three of the survivors just die unceremoniously. There's the extended bit with the wind turbine, which really makes Albert Wesker look like a fucking idiot here. Like, because <laughs> he, he like the the first one of the survivors goes into the into the turbine and gets just chopped to pieces, and he just turns it off. Like, yeah. Like all you have to do is keep it running, and you win. Umbrella is all that's left. Mm-hmm. Like there's. 
a lot of cinema sins dings in this film, yeah, right? Like, is. and I think that there's a lot of those in the prior films too. But I think the prior films have such a goofy tone that it doesn't really matter. But this mm-hmm. one is so self serious; it kind of calls attention to like all the inconsistencies. I think more than like you know fucking retribution would, which is just total nonsense back to front. Yeah. Um, there, there's like a like it really is them just like going through the hive. Like a guy gets dropped through like a shooting event and gets put on some rocks. A lot of you know what? Actually, a lot of like finger trauma in this film. A lot of it. A lot of limbs being severed in this movie. Yeah, Doctor Isaac's Doctor Isaac gets his hand cut off. Uh, the guy who gets dropped on the vent gets his fingers crushed by a thing. Alice loses three of her fingers in the laser grid hallway because, of course, yeah. you got to call back to the laser grid hallway, right? Her yeah her her big final confrontation with Isaac's happens in the uh, laser grid hallway. There's some leftover weapons from the first movie that are just in pristine condition after all yeah. these years. <laughs> So yeah. you you love to see that. Like you this movie really it. It, this movie really does not feel like a resi- a capital R E Resident Evil film until like the last 20 minutes or so where mm-hmm. they like go into the hive and they end up in like a big clone chamber and there's like a random elevator and shit like that. Like it kind of picks up but it also doesn't because Alice has to have her big Jesus metaphor. And honestly, if you've if you've played uh like Blade or not not Blade Runner, if you've played Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories or watched the film Blade Runner, <laughs> you you get the gist of this movie, right? Oh, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be yeah. a clone? Like both like you're good. You're good. <laughs> Just those yeah. two. So yeah. Kingdom Hearts Game Boy Advance game does this narrative way better than Paul W.S. Anderson can. Yeah, I, I do I do enjoy legitimately the last twenty minutes or so where, you know, Isaacs is doing his big speech and Alice is trying to determine whether she should kill him with the ice pick or the fountain pen or the decanter and he gets uh-huh. his tactical vision and he's like it runs through each of the scenarios with with both of them coming out on top so you get mm-hmm. six basic scenarios that they filmed of, <laughs> of it and then he just like nothing happens um, there's the moment where where like old Alice downloads her memories or uploads her memories to a contact lens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, there's some, there's some goofy shit here and there for sure. Yeah. Like that's the stuff that I wish this movie had more of, mm-hmm. but I even kind of, it's shot terribly and none of it makes sense, but I kind of like the idea of Dr. Isaacs meeting the Dr. Isaacs clone. Uh huh. And as the zombies are coming in and the clone kills the real one and then the zombies kill the clone and Alice, Alice breaks the the vial of antivirus so that it cures all the or kills, I guess, all the zombies who fall like it is. A, it is hundreds of thousands of zombies running at her. And as she breaks it and it's like airborne, they all fall and like kneel at her feet <laughs> like they're like they're falling to kneel in the presence of God. It's just... It's a hell of an ending to this movie. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, how do you feel about Wesker's, like, lounge that he's in for this whole film? I guess kind of like the inter-umbrella hive command center. He's in this room, very ritzy, got, like, wood panel doors everywhere. It has, like, chandeliers. 
has has some kind of beverages, you know, real cushy. And I think you mentioned uh, this, which I never really thought about, but a lot of Wesker's appearances uh, post the beginning of Afterlife are just him sitting in a room somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like he just this stands. Way. He just stands there, or he sits there, and just talks and that's all he does in these movies and it's it's fucking great to be honest yeah because i mean we've seen that he can't even master walking like a person at the end of retribution so like (laughs) i mean and even like in the afterlife climactic fight scene most of it is him standing still or he's like being edited to look like he's teleporting when really all he's doing is like moving his shoulders from side to side yeah just kind of like giving him a little wiggle like a little little shake that's that's what I I love about Wesker. You know, that's why he's so good. And even even in Extinction before it's Sean Roberts, that guy never does anything other than sit at a desk. Like it's <laughs> yeah. It it's it the the room he's in is exactly the kind of room I would imagine Albert Wesker holding up in in mm-hmm. the um apocalypse. Very decadent, very fancy. He's got his 18 gamer monitors. He's got his tower. He's, you know, playing Fortnite. It's mm-hmm. all it's all the things that I would want Albert Wesker to do. Um, you know, I, I I think it's I think it's great. I, I really do like the idea as well that in the hive there's just this room with like a thousand umbrella employees just frozen cryogenically in it. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about the world? Can we talk about how Alice and uh, what's his face, the the guy that ends up betraying her, but I forgot was in this movie, Doc? Uh, I think his name is. They uh, they they get to the hive control center, like they go down to the very bottom of the hive through like mm-hmm. the cryo facility or whatever. They go out into this rock outcropping, and this like fucking harry potter ass lake in a cave where the the this ramp or this walkway this walkway comes up and so they're literally alice is literally walking on water to get to this weird isolated like rec room in the hive (laughs) where where wesker is just chilling i suppose i don't know maybe maybe it's supposed to be secret maybe it's there for you know special special status people but it's 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 bizarre you know uh kind of has a bit of a bond layer vibe to it it does the the hive as a whole i feel like is somehow even less well defined than it has been previously um oh, totally. in the first movie yeah. like it's there like we're thousands of feet under drowned here why is there a lake with uh, like raising platforms at a rec room and it like where does it come from like where's the even like how did they not find it the last time like why didn't you mention any of this like it's just it's okay it's okay it's, it's, retcon. it's don't worry about it's it. retcon yeah none of it makes yeah. any sense none of it matters yeah. it's just yeah i i really just wish we'd more wesker be in wesker at his best like they should have made I, a wesker spinoff they should have i mean isn't that what the the netflix series that's coming up is basically about well it's Weskers? it's like the wesker kids or something like that so i don't know how god god knows how they're going to characterize wesker in that series like or if he's even going to show up i mean i guess he would have to right but he like 
Can you imagine a series where we get to see Sean Roberts, Wesker children, like, running around, like, <laughs> fucking aliens just waddling through Wrecking City? <laughs> same hair, same sunglasses. God, they, 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 like, they have got to cast him as Wesker in that. I don't think to. they will, but that would be the fucking best. He, he is legitimately the only person I ever want to play Wesker. Like, I know Neil McDonough is going to be him in the, um, in the movies, but I want Sean Roberts. That's like, that's a that's a weird choice for Wesker. It I'll is. be honest. It is. I don't want a Wesker who can like act and looks like a person. Like that's not that's not something I want. I no, I need, absolutely not. <laughs> I I need the weird Duke Nukem looking freak. It's. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll maybe they'll screw a wig on the Neil McDonough and have him have him like watch these movies for reference. God, and, I uh, hope so. Who hope knows. So. I really do hope so. Do, what else? What else, if anything, do we want to discuss from this film? There's a bit where Alice tries to ride an umbrella motorcycle and gets electrocuted. That's kind of funny. Um, yeah. I don't that's know. Why she that's why she cuts off um, Isaac's hand is so that that she can use it because it, it it doesn't have a key. It has a fingerprint scanner on it. Yeah. To start it. What is um, a? Here's something I've always wondered about this movie. What do you think about the weird, like, poly flesh sheet that uh, Isaacs puts over his arm stump when he gets it cut off? And it, like, he puts this, like, weird uh, synthetic covering over it that I guess, like, bonds to his flesh or something like that. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I don't know what's up with that. I've always wondered what the deal with that is. Yeah, I always just assumed that the idea was that he was supposed to regenerate the hand. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because when when they're putting it over his hand, it's probably just a flub, but you can see his knuckles, like, even though he doesn't have a hand. Uh Uh-huh. So I always see see it, and I think, oh, he's he's growing his hand back, but then he doesn't grow his hand back, so it's just like... Huh. I don't know. Yeah, I just assumed it was, like, something to... um something to uh like like you know bond to his skin and, and and close the wound yeah i think i think that's all it is but i always just think it but it would be too interesting if he could re, re like generate his own hand i still don't understand at all why real um real isaacs has the has the terminator vision now they never explain that like like even when he's when like she puts the grenade in his pocket and he doesn't realize and it explodes and he comes back to life like you get a full like reboot sequence uh-huh. and then when the, when the clone stabs him it's like system failure system failure or whatever so we're supposed to think he's like an android or a terminator or something but I think it just looks cool. You know, he just has... Yeah, um it just looks cool. He, he just it. has Project Alice Umbrella Vision, I suppose. Like Nemesis. So Like Nemesis, like Jill. Like Jill, yeah. <laughs> it, it literally is just, like, only an excuse to um, to, to, to put fucking cool HUD elements over a, yeah. over a camera. Yeah, it, it really does feel like Paul is reaching for a reason to put in his his surveillance and his wireframe models in this one and it's a big reach yeah it is 
One of my favorite moments in this is at the beginning where the Red Queen gets in touch with Alice and she does that by like sounding off a tornado siren and then printing out a message through like (laughs) Wi-Fi, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Alice just hearing the printer in this fucking underground lair. Yeah. Because the whole idea is that the Red Queen wants to double cross Umbrella but her programming won't let her harm Wesker or Isaacs. Uh-huh. So she needs to recruit Alice to do it for her. Yes. And the reason she's able to shut the door on Wesker's foot and kill him later is that old Alice fires Wesker. <laughs> That's probably the best part in this whole movie is where she looks at him and she goes, Albert Wesker you're fired. And then it cuts to the Red Queen surveillance camera and there's like an overlay of Wesker just standing there like a fucking freak. And it, it like highlights him and it says umbrella employment status, like valid umbrella employment status terminated or something like that. It's, it's so re- it, I mean, it's it's straight out of RoboCop, right? Where they where yeah. he where he fires the dude at the end of RoboCop fucking ventilates him. Uh, also a movie that has a lot of Jesus allegory in it. So maybe maybe yes. Paul watched RoboCop for this, but just missed the point of that film. Yeah. You know, Sean Roberts would make a really good RoboCop. Sean, oh my God. Sean Roberts would make an incredible RoboCop. Are you kidding me? That's the role that man was born to play. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he already acts like RoboCop in these movies. You just have to yeah. put the fucking suit on him. Just put it just put him in a different ridiculous outfit and Holy there you go. Holy shit. You're that's that's incredible. That's so good. I'll uh, I'll really work at breaking into Hollywood in the next 5 years and I'll make an, a, a second RoboCop remake but cash on <laughs> Roberts. I think it would oh be my perfect. God. Yeah, he's not busy. He'll, I'm sure he'll no, I don't He'll think do he's got, got a single damn thing going on right no. now. No, probably not. Which is a shame. I would I would love to see more Sean Roberts in things. Only if he acts like an alien. That's my caveat. I don't yeah, I don't want to do. see, I don't want to see him as a normal human actor. I only want to see him as this. I I, I looked his name up recently on like uh, Netflix and Prime and some shitty horror movie he was in recently was on Prime. Okay. And I watched about like five minutes of it just to see where where he would show up. And the first shot of him is like the main character walks into like a house or whatever and she's like, where are you? Whatever his name is. And you see this shot of like the like attic, like the hole for the attic and he just sticks his head down from it with a fucking joint in his mouth and I was just like all right, great. Sean Roberts is playing a weed smoking guy here. This is this is great. And I didn't finish any more of the movie, but yeah. just just seeing him smoking weed was like, oh, with a normal person's haircut, with like a buzz cut or whatever, horrible. just looking like terrible, dressed like a normal human being. It was horrible. awful, it, awful. Not, not what I want to see. I don't want to see him try to be a person. I Have need him we... to be a robot or Wesker. Have we discussed how he is in Ghost Cat with Elliot Page on this podcast? I think we've brought it up, yeah. I, I still haven't seen that movie, but I really want to. Yeah. I uh, I can't I think, imagine. I think maybe we should have a movie night and sit down and watch that. That was made in we 2003, should. so he's he, and he's billed like fourth on Letterboxd, so he's probably in it at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, it might be a case, though, like 
that like whatever that slasher is called that Jesse Eisenberg was in like just before he got big where he's in it for like one scene but he's like on all the posters and it's like uh-huh Jesse you know, Eisenberg in do Camp you know Hell. it was Camp Hell is that what it's called yeah I'm looking through Sean Roberts's I don't see it maybe it's under a different title on the uh on the poster but um it looks like a It looks like he was in a Halloween fan film of he some. He was, yeah. I, I found the trailer for that recently on YouTube, and fucking it looks wild. Bad. It oh looks my bad. God. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. Well, we could just talk about Sean Roberts for another hour on this, but um, we could. <laughs> I I don't think I have much else to say about this film, to be honest. No, it's it's a non-event. It's. A bad Mad Mad, a bad Mad Max ripoff that becomes a bad, just almost like a bad Saw 2 ripoff. It kind of um, is. Yeah, it's a little bit Saw. Did you know that this is apparently the highest rated Resident Evil movie on Rotten Tomatoes? I did know that, yeah. People are <laughs> out of their goddamn minds. Yeah, and Retribution is generally on like Letterboxd and IMDb and maybe rotten tomatoes as well like it's like dead last in all of them people people have to flip their priorities they're coming into this franchise with the wrong intent right like they 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 just don't get it and i'm not trying to say that it's like you just don't get it man but like i don't know how you could sit down and watch these movies and not have an absolute fucking blast sitting through retribution and not just being abjectly miserable watching this film is it something with critics where they just see a desaturated color palette and violence and like crazy editing. And they say, Oh, this is just like my prestige TV. Oh, that means it has to be good. Like it's like you said with Borat too, are people just that easily impressed by this bullshit? I I really, I really don't get it. Right. There's just nothing in this film for me. Like the thing is, I don't think this reviewed particularly well. Like I, I still think it's like not certified fresh or whatever on rt i think it's just people hated it a little less um (laughs) i I i think part of the reason this series as a whole is kind of reviled is because people who really like the games don't like it because it's disrespectful to the source material in their eyes sure uh critics don't like it because it's got no plot and the acting is bad and mm-hmm. you know it's incompetently made you know so and then i think a lot of people in just the general public who don't know a lot about resident evil outside of this just tend to look at this and go this is just stupid whereas mm-hmm. if you look if you come to these movies with a certain mindset of just like i'm just going to shut my my like critical thinking skills off and just enjoy paul love mila the movie Mm -hmm. then they're a lot of fun and they're just accidentally like a great time whereas i i just think i think people take resident evil too seriously and that shows in this movie where paul takes it too seriously for the first time and it's Mm. the worst one yeah i agree i agree i think um you know, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I've had a lot of fun doing this over the last six or seven weeks or whatever. I, I, I do still love these movies. Um, totally. I mean, five out of six ain't bad, right? Like, um, yeah. if this one had been like the second movie, 
we would have just moved past it. But I think the fact that it is the last film uh, makes it a little more complicated, right? Because mm-hmm. if they had made a film this bad just in the middle of this franchise, like, whatever, who cares? But it being the purported end and just being so out of left field in terms of its tone and content and just being such a slog to sit through and being the last installment, I think I'll work against it. But, um, I don't know. Do we want to, do we, we, we do, uh, we do ratings sometimes. I would, I get this like a one and a half out of five, right? Like somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, it's not, what the, I rated it. Yeah. not the worst thing I've ever seen. Got some laughs out of me. I don't think it qualifies as a full two. I mean, maybe, but uh, who knows? Um, let's do uh, let's do one last Milaometer on this movie. Uh, this this outfit is nothing to me. <laughs> this costume I, is nothing to me. I could barely even tell you what it, what it looks like. Yeah, like, yeah. I could it's... barely tell. I, if you asked me to describe what any of the new characters in this film looked like, I could not do it because there's so little no. time spent on establishing them. Yeah. They're nothing. They're ju- they're just people in in t-shirts and leather jackets, and that's kind of it. Um, <sighs> yeah, I would I would maybe I-, I I don't think this costume she has is as bad as Apocalypse, but it's completely unmemorable. It's like a four out of ten. Yeah, I would I would rate it lower. I'd give it like a three. Yeah, it's it's nothing. So, Much like the rest of this movie, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's it's really nothing. And you know what? I really, I really don't want to end this podcast, this episode, on, on such a dour note. I'd like to, I'd like to have a little fun. I'd like to get a little bit of enthusiasm back into this project. You know, sure, sure. Uh, I, I had a great time watching Resident Evil with you, Niall. We've done a quick, you know, sort of six week sojourn into one of God's perfect film franchises, but um, I think it's time we talk about our plans for this podcast. Uh, going forward for the next calendar year, I, I think it's time uh, we finally we finally break the seal on what we're planning to do for the next f- 48, 49 weeks or so on here. Yeah. Um, so we are going to like we like we have previously. We're going to be doing it around a theme. We're not going to be watching the same ep- or the same movie every week thank god thank god but there is there is going to be a couple of common elements in in the movies that we watch uh for the next year or so ryan mm-hmm. um we're taking on uh two of our favorites two 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 titans of the of the film world um two men who have revolutionized cinema many times over uh cult figures of of sorts um mm-hmm. and we're kind of basing this series around a movie they did together yes um, so subsequent movie podcast Kajolta Club as we're calling Kajolta Club yes is going Fuck. to be starting next week we are we're going to be talking through the the movies that made John Travolta and Nicolas Cage for the next year oh, um, in, in sort of chrono- chronological order it'll be a Travolta then a Cage with Face Off being week 25 the middle one yeah it's the centerpiece um, we, we alternate the and then we do Face Off and then we alternate again uh, yeah it's I 
how long have we had this boiling for? Like like several months at this point, several right? Months, like like, yeah. like we definitely knew we wanted to do this before Borat ended. And I I am so thrilled. <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea. You're you're the Travolta head here and I am the cage mm-hmm. stan. Uh that's that's kind of the dynamic we have going. And um yeah. we uh you've seen a lot of Travolta's ladder output, a lot of his like mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's what really kind of tipped it off, right? And um I, I guess we can just kind of wrap this podcast up doing an introduction to Kajolta. Is it Kajolta or Kajolta? What what did we decide? I, I've been saying Kajolta, but Kajolta, you can say yeah. whatever. No, I, I like I like Kajolta. I like that. Um we 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 sort of conceptualize this, you know. We're not doing every movie they've ever made. We're no. alternating. We're doing some of the hits, some of the lowlights, and some stuff neither of us have ever seen. So it's going to be a pretty mixed bag, hopefully. And um, a lot like how Albert Wesker Oval Office kind of created this podcast, I think that the idea for Cajolta Club really came from you and I watching a handful of just crap modern john travolta films like Gotti, especially i think i think this podcast mostly uh the the idea for cajolta club would not exist without us having seen Gotti, right or you haven't seen yeah. it have you no, seen I, it i i have i have seen it i have seen okay. it Basi- I basically remember. i think i think basically the idea for this sort of crystallized around the time you watched Gotti because we were talking about it after you watched it. Right. And then that sort of put me on a kick of watching a lot of Travolta wig era stuff (laughs) where I wound up watching Speed Kills, I Am Wrath, Burning Rubber, which are all trash movies, just Mm -hmm. absolute like hysterically bad. And from that, we sort of talked about wanting to watch face off and then that kind of sort of expanded into you know we should also watch the boy in the plastic bubble and like <laughs> yeah. all all the classics and we just kind of settled on travolta and cage basically i think it's a great idea i'm i'm super excited to do it um yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah, I I love I, I we we have all the movies picked, right? We should just say that right mm-hmm. now. Like we have gone we through and we've picked all the films already. Uh, we're not doing it week by I mean we are doing it week by week, but not choosing them week by week. Um Right, right. I according to Letterboxd have seen about 35-40% of the movies we'll be watching. Um so there's going to be a lot of it that's pretty new to me. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not we come to blows over our opinions on any of these movies. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be watching Bubble Boy and just have an absolute screaming match on this podcast over the uh, <laughs> difference in opinions. But um, I, oh, I'm God. thrilled. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're watching along with the podcast, I believe the first movie that we'll be starting with next week will be Carrie, uh, the mm-hmm. original version, which John Travolta is not in a whole lot, but it is his first real, like quote unquote starring role in a film, right? Like it's his, yeah. it's, it's his big break, so to speak, uh, outside yeah. of like television. Uh, yeah. so we'll be watching that Brian De Palma, uh, not the first, well, yes, the first, but not the last De Palma film we'll be watching over this project. So, um, no, keep your, I'm keep ver- your I'm, eyes and ears open. Yeah. I'm ve- I'm very excited to get to, um, some of these other De Palma movies. There's there's one in particular that I, I really enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, Cajun, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing, like, because, yeah, I'm sure we'll mention it over the course of this, but for me, at least, I grew up um, with one of my parents being a big John Travolta fan. Okay. Um, And actually, both my parents wound up being Travolta fans because my dad became a huge fan of both him and Nick Cage around the time Face Off came out. Sure. But um, I saw Grease quite a lot uh as a young child so i'm i'm very interested to see how like interesting that holds okay. up i'm All interested right. to see how saturday night fever holds up you know a few of these like especially his musical themed mm-hmm. stuff because i saw it quite a bit when i was very young so mm-hmm. uh i'm interested to see how that stuff holds up obviously sort of post face off they both kind of go off a cliff right in it's, different it's, ways. it's interesting right because yeah pre face off they were both in some very compelling movies right like yeah. like they both have very interesting filmographies but they both end up following a very similar career path where they end up you know in all these like random scattershot films that aren't that great then they kind of like descend off a cliff after face off uh, but i think the difference is that Nick Cage in in recent years has sort of turned himself around and like embraced being what he is, right? Like really yeah. leaned into it. Whereas Travolta seems to have no sense of self-awareness whatsoever, right? Like he is right, just yeah. doing this to pay the bills at this point. Yeah. By the, by the time we get to the end of this and we're seeing Travolta work with Fred Durst, I'm going to be like <laughs> just clinging on for dear life, I feel like. Because I, I mean... Like, I'm looking at the list right now, and the last f- three or four, especially, of Travolta's are going to be tough watches. Because <laughs> they're, ta- real, they're uh, real bad. I'll take your word, because you've seen, you've seen more of those than I have, right? Like I said, yeah. I saw Gotti, and that's really one of the big reasons I wanted to do this podcast. I wanted us to talk about Gotti on this podcast. Yeah, Gotti uh, is my hell God. of a film. Hell of a film. Hell of a film. Hell yeah, of a film. I'm looking at this list now, and I think those last those last four of Travolta's are going to be a real a real uh, challenge to get through at times. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be just under a year of Travolta and Cage. We've got everything picked so we're gonna we're gonna uh, like announce them ahead of time you know we'll we'll tell you what we're watching the next week before we do it so yeah carry 1976 is first up on the docket and maybe one of actually the best movies we're gonna be watching for the next year (laughs) yeah i uh i it's been several years since i've seen carry I remember it being really good. I'm I'm still a big Stephen King fan, right? I grew up reading his stuff. Uh, yeah. So I have a real I have a real soft spot for his work. Uh, I like Brian De Palma well enough when he's not jerking off over Hitchcock, and so I think it'll be interesting to revisit because I also don't really remember how much Travolta's actually in the movie. We're gonna watch it, and he'll be in it for like two minutes. But well, I mean, it it counts, right? It's his big yeah. break. So. Yeah, and it'll be a good movie. It'll be a good appetizer a good soft intro uh into into this project i think and nick cage yeah. uh with his stuff he really comes out of the gate swinging where um i don't think we're watching fast times at ridgemont high just because his role in that is fairly minor but um the first one i have him marked in on is a is a starring role so we pretty yes. much immediately get into some good good cage stuff with this project yeah 
and and like we said, it's going to be chronological order in the order of their them personally. So like, it's not going to be there. There'll be Nick Cage movies that come in like the eighties when we're still doing a Travolta movie in the seventies, but yeah. it's just it's just because Cage is younger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I've never seen this first Cage movie we've got coming up, so I'm excited to me neither so. to see it. It's I'm just looking at the like head header image for it on Letterboxd and seeing him with a full head of hair is just it, <laughs> it's, it's astounding, kind of like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, we should we shouldn't just ramble on too long about this. Nah, either. I think we can um, probably go ahead and wrap it up. But I did want people yeah. to know what the deal is with yeah. this going forward. I'm I'm super super excited. So yeah. I am too. I'm very excited. Um, so yeah, until next week and Carrie to start Kajolta Club. Um, Ryan, you have another podcast on the internet. Where can people find you? Yeah, uh, I do the podcast Emoji Drome with Sylvie from Friends at the Table. We just put out our last episode of 2020, which was on the Fox Emoji. Uh, I think I talked about that after we recorded it, but I just put it out at the time of recording. So it's 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 on the internet now. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at Emojidrome. You can find me on Twitter at Cursegoat. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Sewer Peak. That's P-E-A-K. I'm going to watch a lot of movies this year, and that is where you can keep up with it. What about you, Niall? Uh, yeah, video game stuff at videogamechoochoo.com. Uh, do not have a personal Twitter, but I'm also on Letterboxd at EmoChrist. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Borat Club or email us at BoratClubCast at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts on the Resident Evil movies or Nicolas Cage or John Travolta or anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. Um, if you enjoy the show, please leave a like, a rating, or a review wherever you get your podcasts. It very much helps us out. Um, if you tell a friend about the show, that also helps us out massively. We really appreciate when people do and when they spread the word of the show because... We don't advertise anywhere. Um, so, yeah, again, thank you for listening. We made it, Ryan, to the end of Resident Evil. Um, next week we start our new adventure. And thank you for listening as always. And, Ryan, thank you for being here. And we'll see you soon. See you soon for Kajolta Club.